guys. It's me. I'm back. <laughs> um, so it was my birthday yesterday. I had a nice time. I went out to eat with my mom and her boyfriend person, got some presents, um, which is always nice. Um, so I want to talk about that in this week because it was a little bit of a weird week because of my birthday coming up. Um, and then I also wanted to rant a bit about Harry Potter and well, not Harry Potter, actually Percy Jackson and how much better Percy Jackson is than Harry Potter since the new Percy Jackson show that I actually haven't watched yet. I'm trying to wait until it's almost over so I can watch it all in one go. Um, but just seeing the clips from it is just reminding me of how much I love those books um, and how excited I am about this show, like continuing on as it is um, and getting to re-enjoy that again. And to Harry Potter, I was going to compare it to Harry Potter and just how much better it is than Harry Potter in every possible way. Um, so, the, so yeah, I'll do that. But to start off with, I was going to talk about birthday stuff. So one thing that was, um, that was really nice about my birthday, um, was something that my mom did actually. It's, so I know people who listen to this would have heard me talk about spirituality. What is that word I just said? Spirituality stuff like tarot readings, mediumship readings. So, um, I feel like when people start like dipping their toe into that world, they expect kind of signs or like forms of communication you can have with your loved ones that aren't like alive anymore to be like these big dramatic things like even like flashing lights or or things like that um and there are some things like that maybe every once in a while but not very often but when you get used to it and you get more like of a grounded approach you realize that a lot of those sort of things are more um are more like subtle and so I feel like this is a good example of kind of of something like that. Cause basically what happened was the night before my birthday, I listened to music at night, um, before I go to bed as a way to like relax and stuff. Um, and like, honestly, it's almost annoying. It's, it's not almost annoying. It is annoying that a lot of the time I get like my, my like new painting and art ideas then because it's always at like 10 o'clock at night. And I'm like, why am I thinking of this right now? Um, when I'm, when I'm like almost, tired or like almost asleep and I now I want to stay up and like research but I can't because I'm falling asleep um but uh anyway so I was doing that the night before my birthday and I was listening to this Bruce Springsteen song Backstreets that my mom has played on the piano since I was uh, like a, there's literally a video of me listening to her do it when I was six months old and it getting me to stop crying and so um I, yeah, so I, um, I was listening to that song and I just kept thinking over and over again that I should text my mom and tell her that I still love this song. And I was like, why am I thinking about this so much? Because I was like, it's like 10 o'clock at night. My mom's probably asleep. I don't want to wake her up if she's not asleep or if she's like getting tired. Um, and I also felt like, you know, I talked to her a bunch earlier that day to make plans for my birthday when we went out to dinner. I don't want to bother her again. I don't want to feel like I'm like talking to her like too much or something like the whole thing of feeling like my emotions are too much. Um, so I didn't, I didn't send that to her. And then the next day, the next morning, 
she sends me this video in like a text message and in the video she's like introducing it saying that she's gonna play something for me on the piano and she was like afraid that I would like laugh at her or something which I know like I think she knows that I wouldn't but it's just that whole thing of you know that whole thing when you're creative and you're sharing this thing with somebody and you really want them to like it but you're afraid that they're gonna you know think that you're being stupid or something and then she starts playing backstreets <laughs> the song that i was listening to the night before that i kept having this like thought in my head over and over again that i should text her and tell her that i still love that song and so i was like amazed when i was listening to it that she started playing backstreets and to me that's like a uh one of those spirituality like signs that you can notice that feel real because i'm sure that my mom's mom um who loved, who loved playing piano and wanted me to play piano, and which is actually a theme of something that happened this week about me playing piano when I was younger, um, and stuff like that, um, would, would, like, wanted me to say that to my mom so that she would have an easier time probably sending that video to me, because it was really good that she sent it, like, honestly, out of all of the presents that I got for my birthday, that was my favorite one of my mom's video, because, I know that that was not easy for her to do and she was putting, she, she was kind of going out on a limb and putting, doing something like that for me when she didn't know how I was going to respond to it. And, um, and yeah, it's just hard to be vulnerable like that and put yourself out there. Like out of everyone in the world, I am someone that understands what it's like to be scared to like do something creative, even if you love it, that and like show it to someone that you love and be terrified that they're going to think that it sucks. Um, and so, yeah, that was amazing that she did that. And I know that she, even though it made her, it was hard for her to be vulnerable like that. She still did it because she thought she wanted me to have that as a present, um, to make me happy. And that's beautiful considering that a year ago, I didn't even talk to my mom. Um, and didn't think I was ever going to talk to her again. That's pretty amazing to see her do that. And yesterday when I saw her, um, for my birthday in person and, um, at the end of the night, I like thanked her for her video and told her that she did a really good job because she seemed like she, she made comments during like dinner and stuff that she was worried that she didn't do as good of a job because she's old now and her hands, she hasn't played piano in a long time. So some of the stuff in the song, she can't she like couldn't get her hands to work, like reach the keys and stuff like that the same way. But she wants to try to play piano more often now to see if she can play it better in the future. But when I told her that she did a good job, um, she started like crying and stuff. And so it felt just like really sweet to see my 66 year old mom learn to like kind of be vulnerable and put herself out there and be like reinforced by positive words by when she did do it. So, um, it was, that was really, really nice to, to have happen. Um, and like I said, it was like a weird theme, um, of the week about piano and me and music and stuff. Oh, another thing from that, um, from my birthday and stuff that was just kind of those funny little things that, you know, um, cynical people would say it could be like a coincidence, but I like to think that, that it was maybe like my Nana hanging out or something or somebody dead. <laughs> There's a lot of them. 
um, hanging out, but, um, like when I got in my, when I got in the car, when I was driving, when we were driving to the restaurant with my mom and her boyfriend partner person, when I got in the car, all of a sudden, um, like a piano music song, like a, a song that's just piano. I had no idea who it was, just started playing, um, through like the speakers of the car and, it was just when I got in and my mom and her boyfriend, they could not figure out where it was coming from for the longest time. And they never really figured it out. It just kind of stopped after a while, after like a minute or so. But they were like, oh, that's weird that as soon as you got in, it just started playing. And so like music and things like that, if you are interested in this sort of stuff, is a way that those like very kind of subtle sort of things come up is with things like, like that. Um, so that was cool to, to experience. And it's one of those things that like, even if that wasn't them and that was just like random happenstance, it made me feel good. It made me feel like, um, they cared about me having a nice birthday and considering the last few months has been hard. And this week was also pretty hard. It was nice to think that. Um, and that's really all that matters, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so to talk about this week, it was, I don't know, it was, I just got really depressed and like, yeah, I've been depressed the last few months, but, um, every year when it's my birthday, I get really depressed, like the week of like leading up to it. And I don't know why, um, my therapist and I on Tuesday or actually on Monday talked about in two weeks, the next time we have an appointment doing like EMDR again, which I'm glad because we haven't done any in so long, but I think I want to see if there's something from my birthday of why I get, because it's the kind of, you know, I feel like when you have complex PTSD and all this stuff long enough, especially when you're going to therapy and stuff, you kind of know like your different levels almost of depression or like just sadness or whatever. And it was the kind of depression I feel when I feel like really sad where I'm just kind of like, I don't feel like it's worth it to even want to do anything anymore and um yeah I just didn't know why I was feeling like that it was and it it was I felt like that for like most of the week and every day it was just kind of up and down and I didn't know how to feel about anything um and maybe there isn't any like specific thing that happened leading up to my birthday but I at least want to see if EMDR will show me where maybe some of that is coming from in the hopes that next year when I turn 40, because I'm old and I'm going to be 40 next year, that maybe by then I'll have it figured out and I'll be able to actually just like enjoy my birthday instead of it being a week where I'm like super depressed. And then by the time my birthday comes, it's nice to like go out to dinner. But other than that, I don't want to do anything else. <laughs> so yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, it was just a lot of, um, like I said, a lot of like depressing feelings. Um, <laughs> I was, I'm laughing because I watched a, uh, pick a card reading for somebody that I like on YouTube and the reading was meant to be like reassurances, like things that maybe you need to hear to just help you. And so I was needing that. So I watched it and it took me like two days to finish this reading. 
and because it was saying nice things to me. <laughs> and um, one of the main like points that the group that I picked was talking about was that saying like your emotions are not too much. And they were saying like maybe when you were a kid, even maybe even if it wasn't like bad emotions, maybe people thought that you were like too happy or like making too much noise or like would like squash that part of you too. And maybe now you feel like your emotions are too much for people. And they're basically trying to convince anyone who listened to that group that that's not true. And that, and that's definitely something that I've felt like not only felt, but it was like accurate. Like whenever I like showed happiness or interest in something, my dad and my sister would usually like shut it down like even things that my sister and I loved together like we used to go on all of these road trips to see a band that we liked and after the show would be over I would be like really excited and she would be like telling me to calm down and it's just yeah I definitely that I just thought it was so funny that when I watched the reading and they said like your emotions aren't too much I just turned it off for like 12 hours because <laughs> Because I was just like, I don't believe you. So many things that have happened with different, like, people that I was friends with the last couple months um, to, like, a year of my, the last year of my life has just made me think that that's not true. But, you know, they say it. And I know the rational part of my brain says, like, that's probably, like, a therapist would tell me that that's true. And the rational, logical part of my brain wants to say that that's true. But I, the emotional part of me does not believe that at all. <laughs> So there's that. Um, one thing I will say, though, that was a positive from this week was about... So the episode before this one, I was talking about how watching the University of Minnesota's dance performance to Dream On by Aerosmith going viral reminded me how much I loved jazz ballet and piano when I was a kid and how... Both of those things I had to stop doing, not because I wanted to do them, but because my dad basically forced me to in one way or another or just ruined it. And how hard that was, how hard that is for me to remember that these things that made me feel good about myself and make reminded me that I can do things well and, and all that kind of stuff and just had an outlet of like, you know, creativity and expression in some way that was taken away from me. Um, was difficult for me to remember, but so anyway, um, I was thinking about that and I talked about it. I had therapy on Monday this week and I talked about it with my therapist. And so, and it was interesting because I was thinking about talking to my mom about it. So my mom had been with her boyfriend person. They had just gone on like a short, like two week or so trip to South America and they got back on like Tuesday. And so I was thinking about talking to her about this, about like what happened with dance and like reminding her of what happened or, um, and things like that to just because she is someone that I can talk about that stuff with, but I wasn't sure. Like it's like to compare to what I did with like, with what my mom did of like sh playing that song for me it's hard to like open yourself up and be vulnerable with people you love that and you don't know how they're going to react if they're going to be if they're going to get upset with you for bringing it up and that's usually what would happen in the past with me so I was thinking about it and I was like I'm not sure if it's worth it for me to talk to her about this whole situation 
um, and stuff, but I did, and I'm glad that I did, that I did, like, talk about it with her, like, in the moment we were on the phone call, I just kind of decided to do it instead of talking myself out of it, because the good, the amazing part about that is that when I was telling her about this, she was like, oh, yeah, I still know your piano teacher, and I was like, what? Um, like, I'm pretty sure on this podcast somewhere in the last, like, year or so, there's probably an episode on there where I talked about my piano teacher and how I wish that I knew who she was. Because I can remember last year, like, Googling her, like, or trying to Google, like, the office that she had when I was a kid to see. And I remember I th- that I thought I found her new office, but I wasn't, or, but I didn't remember her name or anything like that. So I wasn't sure, like, if it was the right place or if they still even work there anymore, it's possible that they like retired or something. Um, so when my mom said that she still knows my piano teacher, I was like, excuse me, what? (laughs) And so, and she's like, yeah, um, she told me her name and said that she works as a music therapist, which when she mentioned it, I remembered that. Like I remember when I went to piano lessons that sometimes my teacher would, um, would like take out would have like stuff set up from music therapy times and I would ask her like remember a couple times asking her what it was what it was for and she told me what it was and I and before we like sat down and started playing so I remember that about I remember that about her when my mom said that but she basically said because my mom works with like um uh she spent a lot of time the last 20 years or so working with autistic kids that are nonverbal, um, that I guess she sometimes works with my old piano teacher since she's a music therapist that primarily works with people who are disabled to come up with like music therapy just to like help them a bit. And so I was like shocked that this whole time that my mom still is in contact with this woman and knows who she is and all this sort of stuff. Cause I told her like, that's, I can't believe that you, that you know her all this time because I told her like one of the things with this piano teacher of why they meant a lot to me is that um when I was in piano when I was 12 was when things were really 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 bad and my parents were getting divorced and life was super chaotic and um my piano teacher noticed that I was really depressed because I wasn't practicing and I was the type of kid that you don't need to get me to practice because I, I want to practice because I want to learn the new, I want to learn the new songs and like, and, and like do them well. And so I would be excited by something new to kind of get done before the next, before my next, um, session with her. And so she realized that I wasn't practicing as much, which was not unlike me or was not like me at all. And so she asked me if I was okay or if things at home were okay. And I said they were, although she could tell that I was lying. Um, And she just kind of said, okay. And a little bit after that, we stopped going to piano lessons. And I remember my mom coming to me and telling me that, we are going to stop just for like, for now, um, because of like money and they were getting divorced and filing for bankruptcy. So they really didn't have money, but, um, 
Yeah, was just saying like this is just like for a couple months, but in a few months, like once things have like settled down, you'll be able to go back. And then, but of course, like a year or so, a year or two later, probably like around a year or so later, um, I remember that we were in the car once with my dad too, and we happened to be driving by the place we had all of the piano recitals the day of the recital. And I realized that it was that day and that and my parents like didn't tell me about it or anything. And they were like, my dad was, and even my mom of it was even like laughing about it. And I was like, what the, and I was mad. Like, why didn't they tell me? I'm like, I could have like played something. I was like, I know the same. There's certain songs that I knew that I had so memorized that I could have just played them without like practicing at all. Um, and, um, I just realized when we were in the car that day that, my dad especially but both of them I was like they're not going to let me go back but I especially realized that like my dad isn't going to let me go back to piano lessons um he's just not and I and like obviously my mom could have like forced like had me go and and tried to like you know deal with that and like deal with him but I can also not a but to like take that away but I can also acknowledge that um my dad was so controlling that he was not someone that you can really, it was challenging to hide things from him. I'll, I'll go with that. Like if my mom was doing something with me and my sister and my dad found out about it and he didn't like it, he would, he would tell her to stop and, or tell us to stop. And it was like, not like a option really to not listen to him because of how scary he was. Like, a little bit after they got divorced, my mom got us one of those internet, this thing called internet TV, which was like a brand new thing at, in like 1998, um, where you can go on the internet through like your TV. And he came over and saw it there and told my mom to get rid of it and return it, which she did. Um, but that's like the kind of thing that that's the kind of stuff that he would do, you know? Um, and so I can say that like the when my mom and I were talking about on the phone, she said like your me and Nana, which is your her mom, always supported you in playing piano, which like is obvious of who didn't support me, but that's obvious anyway, of who wouldn't support me doing that. But yeah, it's like if she would have had me go back and do that, my dad would have found out about it, and if he didn't want me to do it, he would have. It's one of those things that is hard for me with the playing piano part to think about because he ruined me doing dance. He absolutely ruined that. Like he, he made me do something else for many months I didn't want to do. And for so long that when I came back, the people in my class were mad at me and didn't want me to be there anymore. And I just like quit because I couldn't handle him ruining this thing that I, that I really liked. Um, and so if I would have done that and he wouldn't have wanted me to do it, he, he would have done the same thing with piano. He would have somehow found a way for me not to do it anymore. And so it's one of those things of like my mom could have pushed and I wish she would have um, more for me to go. But I also know what he would have done if she had. She, he would have done something to to make it impossible for me to go because he wouldn't have wanted me to, um, especially to now that I know that that piano teacher was also a music therapist and like knew 
her shit and things like that. Like when it comes to like mental health, like music therapists have like bachelors and masters and PhDs. They have training in psychology and things like that, similar to what like traditional therapists have. So um, he wouldn't have wanted me to see somebody like that. <laughs> Are you kidding? So anyway, I, when my, my mom gave, you know, gave me the person's name and I emailed them and um, my old teacher like responded like pretty much right away and said like, and said that she remembered me and said that she would think about me a lot. And that whenever I drove by, she drove by where we lived at the time, it would, she would always think about me and, and my sister. And the way she put it was that she was very worried about my sister and me because of my dad and said that, but I know that your mom was working as hard as she could to get you out of that situation. Um, and, but she said that she was excited. She wanted to hear from me that she had seen my mom a couple of times through the years. And the thing that like meant a lot when I talked to my mom is that she said that my old piano teacher would ask her every time she, she saw her, like how I was doing. And so she said she, if I was around that she want, she wanted to um, like meet up with me and talk to me in person. And, um, that was amazing. And she still lives in my hometown. And so I told my mom about it and she said that she would help like get me out there, like drive me out there so we could meet up if we, if we find like a time that works. So, and hopefully that will happen soon. And, but that was just like amazing to have happened. Like, it's incredible to have somebody to have like that piano teacher is the only adult that I can remember that um, realized that something was wrong, really wrong at home and actually took the time to ask me if I was okay. Um, Cause most people just like didn't really want to bring it up. And so it's amazing to think about being able to talk to her and to think that she remembered me all this time and that I had like an effect on her enough that she thought about me all these years and wanted to know if I was okay. Like that's, that's amazing. And my mom's response was great. Like she was, um, the way she put it was that she just was happy that I am still in contact with these people that are important to you and I can help you heal in any, and be happy in in your life in any way you can. Um, and stuff like that, which is like amazing. But like, I mean, if you really, Honestly, if you need a story in your life right now to tell you to like be vulnerable with somebody that you think you can trust and tell them something that's bothering you um, to see if it helps you feel better, that's honestly the best kind of story I can possibly imagine telling you at this point. Like I, I almost didn't tell my mom about thinking about piano and dance again. And if I hadn't, she never would have told me that. And, and I would never have been able to like meet up with this old piano teacher, which is just like wild to think about. Like, I'm glad that I did that. And I, in the same way that I'm glad that my mom sent me that, that video of her playing the piano, because it meant a lot. And if she would have not sent that to me, I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have this great, like memory, really touching memory of, of her from this birthday this year. Um, Cause yeah, so the other stuff I could talk about, I don't know The I guess like the more negative side of birthday stuff is that's always hard for me is every year for like Christmas and my birthday, um, 
my sister, so she tends to get me exactly what I tell her to buy. And so I know that sounds weird because that's generally how presents go. But for me, like for, this is the example I can give for like clothes uh, or, um, or like even art supplies, but especially clothes. Like I'll usually tell, I'll tell her like what sizes I wear and I'll give her like examples of the kind of clothes that I like to wear, the kind of clothes that I need. Um, and every, and I always tell her, these are just examples. You don't have to get these things, but they're just like a way, uh, an example to show you the kind of, kind of like comfy, like clothes that I like to wear. Um, and then every year <laughs> when I do that, she just buys me the examples that I show her. And, um, it's just hard. Like, I don't like feeling like I'm picking out my own presence. I want to be, you know, I want to be surprised. And even though I like the things that she gets me, it's still like hard to feel that, you know, I feel like to feel like, you know, this is my younger sister and that she doesn't know enough about me still to be confident in picking out clothes that she thinks that I would enjoy when I tell her the exact sort of clothes that I would enjoy. It's just hard to feel like I don't, that, that she doesn't know me or that she, yeah, that's like something that's hard. Um, that's hard for me. Like I, so much of me was cut off for a, a long time and I didn't express a lot of what I wanted or what I liked and what I didn't like. And so it's, it's hard sometimes where I feel like, am I just like unknowable, but then other people that I know for a lot less time are able to get me things without me telling them to get it that show that they, that I am knowable. It's just that, I don't know, my sister just doesn't. And I don't know, it's hard. And um, like the week before my birthday, she texted me being like, oh, what do you want for clothes? I never feel comfortable getting stuff for you. And so that was hard because it makes me feel like it's a week before my birthday. So it makes me feel like you haven't like thought about what to get me until right before, um, which just isn't a nice sort of feeling. Like, I don't like feeling like I'm, you know, not being thought of, I guess, but she got me some clothes and stuff, which I am wearing right now. Like, so I got stuff, but, um, yeah, it's just hard to feel like, I don't know. I feel like that's going to happen every year with my sister on my birthday. And I just kind of have to try to accept it, even though it always hurts my feelings that she doesn't know me well enough still to just get me something without, um, without needing me to tell her exactly what to get me. <sighs> um, okay. So that's the personal stuff. So now for me to have a fun time ranting about Percy Jackson. And how much I love Percy Jackson. So, um, there's this video that I saw on TikTok the other day that made me think about this. Um, and it was essentially someone, there's always, I swear to God, there's always like the dude bro takes. And like, by that, I mean like guys that watch shows like this, whatever they are, like Marvel, Star Wars, whatever. Oh, that's my cat. And they find the most random stuff to complain about. It's like stuff that like 
I honestly don't know how you watch this thing. And this is the thing that you focus on. Like, for example, um, in like the Marvel stuff, uh, when people watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier, all of these like dude bro kind of guys were making all these videos, like talking about that Bucky isn't as good at fighting anymore. And why is he such, why is he so weak now? And why is he so bad at fighting? And that's what they were focused on is feeling like the show isn't good because Bucky isn't as strong as a fighter anymore. And so many people replied to them and was like, it's because Bucky's not a maniacal killing machine and he is himself and he doesn't want to hurt people. Um, he's not being forced to like kill people like he was in the past. And so now that he's actually himself, he doesn't want to hurt people. And so when he fights, he's not being as hard on them, but that's because he actually cares about people and doesn't want to kill anyone. Um, that's like, but anyway, what I'm trying to say is people like this make videos where they like don't even, they only concentrate on like the most superficial stuff and they don't consider like the emotions of the person. And it's so weird. The things that they talk about always surprise me because I'm always surprised that they even care about the things that they're discussing. And so... The Percy Jackson version was somebody saying that they were, they thought that they had a special, like, unpopular opinion because they wished that the fight scenes in Percy Jackson would be longer. And, and I was like, why would you want the fight scenes to be longer? Um, you're missing the entire point of the show for thinking that the scenes should be longer because it's more entertaining for you. Um, which led to me talking about this of how the main way that Percy Jackson is better than Harry Potter in every possible way, which really shapes the two series and how much better the characterization is for everyone in Percy Jackson versus Harry Potter in every possible way is that like the Percy Jackson world is a world that, so the way I feel like to make the best point I'm trying to make here is that Harry Potter, I feel like Percy Jackson is what, when we were all first reading Harry Potter for the first time, we all wanted Harry Potter to be this. And we thought that Harry Potter was this. Um, but since going back and like looking at the series and since, you know, JK Rowling shows that she's a fascist bigot, we now realize that we are like projecting a lot of our own beliefs onto her. And that was never in the actual series, but when a lot of people read Harry Potter, including me for a few years of it, um, we all thought that Harry Potter was doing this whole huge thing with Harry and Voldemort and all this stuff to basically prove that the world that they lived in was messed up. That like the fact that somebody like Voldemort could have done what he did and that since he did all that stuff, he was just, and that people didn't even say his name because of how afraid he was, but they like wouldn't bring him up really ever because they can't say his name. And they put all of the hope for like their entire like society on the, on the shoulders of a child that's been like abused and nobody pays attention to the fact that he's being abused either. But um, at least no one important does anything about it. And so um, when people were reading Harry Potter, we were thinking that this was going to be like, a more like a more progressive like kind of thing where it was showing that this world is like poisoned from the inside out, how corrupt the government is, how corrupt people are. 
that somebody like Harry would have to do all this stuff in order to save the rest of their asses, you know, but that people, when we were reading it, thought that the point of doing all this was to show that this is what's going on in the, in this world so that they could dismantle it and rebuild it in a much better way. But instead, when you get to like the last few books of Harry Potter, you, you realize, you know, that JK Rowling isn't writing a book like that, that she's like the most stereotypical sort of white feminist sort of writing you or like white liberal writing you can imagine where she's like, no, the whole system isn't bad. There's just a couple bad apples. And that's basically what Harry Potter is. So the antithesis, of course, of that is Percy Jackson, where, which is why I think it's so absurd that anyone would watch this show and want there to be longer fights because the entire point of this show, and especially I especially love the fact that they casted people like age appropriate to be the kids. Like all the kids are actually like 13 year old kids. They're not like aged up at all. Like the movies were, and it's important for them, for the kids to be like the ages they are in the books to like drive the point home that they're making, especially in the first book, but really in all of them, which is that the system that the, that the gods have set up in Percy Jackson is fucking horrific and that it needs to stop, which is like the fact that there's someone who wants to see a bunch of 12, 13 year old kids get attacked by monsters for longer is like mind boggling to me because why do you need to see like that? You're missing the point of what they're showing you because like the whole, basically if someone's listening to this, who has never, read Percy Jackson somehow before or any of the movies or hasn't watched this show yet first off you should watch the show absolutely and read the books but anyway if you haven't um and you don't know anything about it essentially Percy Jackson is a world where Greek gods exist and they have kids with mortals like they did in like the old legends um and so Percy is the son of Poseidon and there's a camp called Camp Half-Blood he goes to and um, all of the kids that are the kids of these gods are attacked um, by monsters, especially when they get to be about 12 or 13 years old because their powers are getting stronger and the monsters just like kind of can sense that they're around and go and, and go after them. And um, and so they go, if they go to like Camp Half-Blood, they're like safe there, um, cause the monsters can't get in and no one will attack them or whatever. But it's a system that's like from the beginning, when you go to H Camp Half-Blood, you find out that there's an entire cabin of kids there who are never claimed by their godparent. Um, they don't know who their parent is. And just the fact that uh, they're, they're like Greek gods out there that, and there's so many of them that, have never even just acknowledged that their child is just like alive, not even asking them to do anything else parent-wise for them, just acknowledge that they're alive and that this is my child. And the thing about especially the first book of Percy Jackson that it really like drives home is that these kids are being forced, like the Greek gods have their own problems and their own stuff that they need to handle with like the monsters that are on earth and the villains that they have but they don't deal with any of it. And so because they're not dealing with any of their own stuff, their children who are usually completely neglected by them 
and sometimes never even like acknowledge that they're even their own children are being attacked by monsters and attacked by bad like people are going after them because the gods aren't around and aren't taking care of their own business. And so their children that they neglect are somehow the ones that are like paying the price for what their like God, like, like parent is res actually responsible for. And they, the, the gods could very easily handle the stuff that's going on for their kids, but they just don't. And so the kids, like, even if you never get claimed by one of by whatever parent of yours is a god at camp, you're still, you still are either, you're still basically stuck at camp because if you leave camp, you're still going to get attacked by monsters, whether you know who their, who your parent is or not. Um, and so it's this horrible thing where these, like literal children are being asked to do these incredibly dangerous tasks where monsters are like attacking them and they're going against all these huge like legendary people in Greek mythology to basically bail out their god parents um and stop like horrible things happening to like earth and the world because of things that their very neglectful parent has done they have nothing to do with why this is happening but they're having to do these very traumatic things in order to try to stop it because their parent doesn't care enough to just do the bare minimum so that they don't have to do this stuff and so it's wild to me that people are on the internet saying that they want to see more fights because it's like it's painful watching like i think that this is some of the fun of Percy Jackson of it of like so I guess I could tell like when I started reading these books so because I am much I'm 39 I turned 39 yesterday I know I'm much older than the like the people that usually are like the audience for Percy Jackson but um I remember that when the Percy Jackson movies were coming out um I like to read I used to like to read books of movies that were coming out so because I always wanted to read the book before I would go and see the movie and I remember that there was one day in like I think it was like 2000 like 2011 2012 somewhere in there because just remembering like which apartment I lived in with my sister back then and I remember that I was driving to my horrible grocery store job and I happened to write down the wrong time when I worked that day so I so I was there like really early I was there like over an hour early and so I left and drove to like a Barnes and Noble right down the street from where I worked and they had a table um with Percy Jackson books on it because the movie was was either like announced or it was like coming out soon either way it was there and I knew that a movie for it was coming out soon and so I picked up the first book and started reading it and I was and I loved it and um bought like the first the that first like book and I think even the second one maybe right away and then ended up reading all of them within the span of like a singular week which was like the first five books like the Hero of Olympus books hadn't come out yet um but I loved them right away because of how just of how they show all the flaws within this world and that unlike Harry Potter, you're supposed to see them there. Like you're supposed to be upset. You're supposed to be upset that, that like Percy and Annabeth and Grover are like, have to go and find like Zeus's lightning bolt 
and get it back to Zeus. And if they don't, Percy's mom is never is like going to be basically held captive forever. And that some crazy war is going to break out between Zeus and Poseidon. And um, that's going to cause like mass destruction on Earth. And if and it's like this is an extremely important task to be doing. And you're leaving it up to three 12 year old 13 year old children to do it um who are now like being attacked by all these things and they have and they're just and there's no one to help them they're just like trying to figure this out on their own um and if they fail like the entire world is going to be destroyed like what are you talking about this is crazy and um so it's wild that's why the whole like wanting there to be more fights is like this crazy thing because because Percy and Annabeth and Grover should not be having to do this. Like, every fight they get into, especially seeing, like, the actors be so young. Oh, that's what I was saying before, is that um, because I was older when I read the first Percy Jackson books, like, back in 2012 or whatever, I was, I don't even know how old I was. I was, like, 27, something like that. And so I was older already reading the books. And so when I read them, I like recognized when I was reading them, that's part of what made me like the series is that it was wrong that Percy and them were having to do these crazy quests and they were the ones having to bail their parents out when it should be the other way around. Um, and that they were too young to be handling all of this stuff. Um, and, but like there are kids that, you know, read Percy Jackson the first time when they were the same age as Percy and Annabeth and Grover. And so to them, like, they were just, like, excited about reading, like, kids their age doing these crazy fun quests and thought that it would be, like, a fun time for them to be doing it themselves. And one thing that I think is interesting now about the show is that the sh that, that a lot of those kids that were that age then are now older. And so they're now watching the show, watching kids that are in, like, fucking middle school and realizing, like, oh, yeah, it's really messed up that the gods are like forcing their kids to do this stuff. This does feel horrible. It feels awful watching these little kids be attacked and like watching Percy have to jump off of the St. Louis arch and just like pray to his dad that his dad will save him. So he doesn't just fall to his death and that Annabeth is sitting there crying. And while well, she's hugging him because she's so relieved that he's alive because they legitimately thought that he was going to die. Um, like that's, that's a horrible thing. And, and only, and the more, they only have to do more and more things, obviously, as these books go on. Um, but it's just the thing. So the thing I'm trying to say here is that like the thing with Harry Potter that was so weird when you were reading it and it got to like basically after the fifth book, especially, I feel like the, the end of Goblet of Fire and after with like Order of the Phoenix became like this kind of point where um, there were things that were messed up happening in the Harry Potter books that were not being acknowledged by like the story and you as the author or you as the author, no, you as the reader were reading these things and you're like, but wait, what about this thing that's messed up? Why is nobody acknowledging that this is messed up? This feels weird because I feel like I'm noticing more than the author is. And that's strange. Like, like, for me, when I was reading those books, I talk about this a lot. Um, whenever I talk about Harry Potter is, like, Harry Potter was an abused kid. And I thought from after he got to the magical world 
that he would never have to go back to his abusive home. And they kept making him go back to his abusive home. And that the moment that a lot of people had problems with um, was when they made him go back at the end of Goblet of Fire. Because it's like if Voldemort is back alive and and he's in like serious danger just being at his uncle and aunt's house who don't know anything about magic and treat him like garbage and and all that kind of stuff and would not help him if something did happen um, and wouldn't let anybody who are, is magical come in to help him in the in the interim um, when he was like a sitting duck basically for any for Voldemort or anyone to come and kill him. Um, like that was especially when people were like, what is going on? Why are you still making him go back there when all this stuff is going on? I thought that you, he wouldn't have to go anymore. And so they, that was when J.K. Rowling came up with her idea that she said in the seventh book. But really, that's like utter nonsense. Like you could have, I don't know, told Harry about this much sooner if this really was an idea you had when you were writing the original books the earlier books in the series and maybe i don't know asked him what he wanted to do considering that it is his mother it's his mom and it's his life he he should like get like a choice of what he, if he wants to live with extremely abusive people or if he would rather not be protected by some magic from his mom and live somewhere else where he would be much better protected and would be around magical people that wouldn't treat him like shit and make him feel like he doesn't matter every single day of his life um <laughs> But, like, a lot of that kind of stuff that happened in Harry Potter, they, like, never acknowledge how wrong it was or how problematic it was. Like, the like the Weasleys are supposed to, are, like, basically, like, the dream family. Um, like, the only reason that Harry was ever with Ginny in those books is because they wanted just to find a way for him to be become a Weasley. But it's, like, like, in the second book, um, Molly is told that that um the dursleys literally put like prison bars on harry's window and they had to literally like break him out of their house like he was a prisoner which he essentially was because they were refusing to let him go back to school um and her reaction to finding out about that is just saying to her kids oh you should be lucky that i didn't do that to you which is messed up to say and then just like keeps having him go back to the dursleys even after knowing that that's what they did to him and so it's like, that's, that doesn't make any sense. Why would, like, anyway, what I'm trying to say here is that basically most of the adults, except for like Remus and Hagrid, perhaps, do things in the Harry Potter books that are very not okay, that are problematic, that are messed up. And Harry, like, Harry is the one that has to pay for it all. Um, he has every, for, I feel, I feel like the best example of this is in Order of the Phoenix, when Harry is so angry because, he is terrified, he's in danger, and nobody will tell him what is wrong. Like, no adult will tell him what's going on. And um, he's so upset about that. And the way that people talk to him is very much like downplaying his emotions. Like, Fred and George are like, are you done screaming yet? Um, none of the adults in that series, like, tell him. When he finally loses it on Dumbledore at the end, it's very much seen as like, oh, Dumbledore is smart and wonderful and you should just like never even be mad at him, even if Harry is mad at him. Um, it's never like he never gets to be upset with them when what they're doing is very messed up. Like other people should be upset for him. And the fact that in those books, these things are happening that as the reader, you're reading and you're like, this is wrong, though. Um, this shouldn't be happening, but they never acknowledge it in the sh in like the actual book it just feels 
there's this weird disconnect that starts happening because you just it makes it hard to like feel as attached as you want to to the characters or like take the world as seriously as you really want it to because you there's these huge flaws and like at least when I was reading them I was like waiting until we got to the end of the last book for something to acknowledge these things that were happening so that they would the world would like fix it and it wouldn't happen anymore but it just like never happened and I think that's why with um with Harry Potter that I was always like waiting and hoping that they would come out with like another book or something after like that showed us like how they handled post right right after the war ended and like how the trio handled it because they would be super traumatized by all of that and I would and like I and like just imagining like them like having to completely rebuild the government up from like the ground up to find out and then when we finally got something like that it was so not that at all um nothing was really like fixed or changed and that's like pretty demoralizing to realize those characters went through all of that um and nothing in their world was like changed for the better really like Voldemort was gone but like somebody new like him could pop up at any time and the same thing would just happen again and so to like compare it to Percy Jackson Percy Jackson is a series that knows that things are wrong and from the beginning and it's just and it's just so wonderful and it and it just makes all the like the characters and their relationships matter and just be much more like emotionally impactful like Luke being like the villain is such an impactful thing because you can understand why he is so angry and even though it's horrible with the episode that I think just aired in the Percy Jackson show when you realize when you read the first book for the first time or you're watching this show when you realize that that Luke gave Percy those shoes that were meant to pull him down into Tartarus, into hell, where Kronos is, so that to kill him, essentially, um, because his dad is Poseidon. Um, and to realize that Luke gave him those shoes, knowing what would happen if he wore them like he told him to, um, and that it would kill him, that's horrific and so horrible to think about but at the same time people like luke and percy jackson you understand why they're so angry and that's why they're such a great villain because um you can't completely disregard them as a person or act like they don't have a point and it just makes everything so much more emotional when things get to the point like towards the end like they they need to be stopped for what they're doing they're hurting like innocent people but you can't but like Percy and the rest of them do understand why they are so upset because they do have every reason to be upset because of what has happened to like their life and the other people around them that they're right that like the gods are wrong and the gods are messing everything up and no kids should have this sort of pressure on them and eventually if you put kids like that under pressure long enough some of them are going to get so angry at you for putting them in this position that people are going to make decisions like Luke does. Um, and it's just, it's, you just care so much for these kids because you can, even the ones that you don't really like because they don't like Percy, you can understand because it's just so brutal. Like, um, it's brutal to think that like Percy 
was born and he is not allowed to see Poseidon, his dad. And it's purely because of like political nonsense. It has nothing to do with Percy or whether Poseidon wanted to see him or his mom or anything like that. It's purely that if Poseidon acknowledges Percy being his kid, that he's like one of the big gods and Zeus is going to immediately feel like threatened by Percy just existing as a person just because of who his dad is. And so Poseidon can never really like see him or talk to him or see if even if he even wanted to see him in any real way, he's not allowed to because because if he did, then his brother might start like some crazy war. Like you should be able to have a child be born by a god without it possibly causing like a huge civil war between two the two biggest gods because they're threatened by you just having a kid. Like it's just and like it's just ridiculous that that like Percy is put in that position. It's ridiculous that Annabeth is abandoned by her mom because she's friends with Percy and because Percy is someone that she loves and trusts. Like it shouldn't, Annabeth should not be the one having to make these sort of decisions and dealing with the ramifications of things because her mom is throwing a fucking hissy fit. It should be the other way around. Um, and really, I'm just, I'm just really excited to see how that show especially is going to like because Rick Riordan is adding new scenes and things like that that are making the story even better than it already was I'm just really excited to see Pete I just took him to talk about the Harry Potter versus Percy Jackson thing if you've never read or or whatever Percy Jackson watch this show and then if you love it go read the books because truly like Percy Jackson I've I've said this ever since I read the Percy Jackson books they are so much better than Harry Potter. Um, like Percy and Annabeth are like Harry and Hermione, but without the stupid like nonsense, like they are everything. Their, their like relationship is built up so well. They're also able to be romantic, but by the time they are romantic, it's so obvious how much they love each other that it just feels like a very natural step. And, um, there's no like of that wishy-washy stuff like the issues that they have with being a couple make sense for who they are as people um it's not like manufactured problems it's purely like their own issues with the trauma they've been through because they actually acknowledge that they're very traumatized unlike harry potter <laughs> um makes sense and just and percy is just an amazing character he's smart he's funny He's very caring towards people. He, I love so much how he always tells the gods to go fuck themselves constantly. He says all the things that you wish that Harry Potter would have let Harry Potter say to every other adult in that world that J.K. Rowling would not let him say. Um, and it's so wonderful when you get to see this stuff. And so, hey, kitty. Well, I guess that means I'm done recording this episode. This is my cat's yelling at me. But, um, yeah, I just love Percy Jackson. I'm really excited to see it all transpire and how well done the books are and knowing that the show is going to be much better. Um, yeah, it's just really fun to see something like this be made by the person who created it and know that they care as much about it as the fans do instead of it being, like, made half-ass like it was in the past with the movies. Um, yeah. 
I'll stop talking now. I'll see you next week.